Death prays be a weapon that silences the enemy. Let praise be a weapon that conquers all anxiety. Let it rise. Let praise arise. We sing your name in the dark and it changes everything. We sing with all we Ah 
our Savior came from glory How he gave his life on Calvary To save a wretch like me I heard about his groaning Of his precious blood's atoning Then I repented of my sins and won the victory. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me and I knew him and all my
you, Father, that we don't have to do this on our own, that we don't have to live in this world on our own. Have your way with us, God. Just come. Fill us up, God. Fill us up to overflowing. Let us be your empty vessels this morning because you are good, because you are worthy, Lord. I just have Our victory is in Jesus. It is in Jesus. It is in Jesus. And I know that I believe that the World Series is going on right now, and every single person that wins that game they get that victory. It doesn't matter if they played one inning, they get that victory. That is the same victory we have in him. He paid the price and he is clear. He is giving it to every single one of his children. That is the victory we live in. You're on his team. So let's live our lives in that victory. Let's live our lives that we have been washed white as snow. Let's not let the sins of our past dictate who we're gonna be in the future because he is good. And that's what this song is about, how good our Lord is. If you believe it, I just encourage you to sing it out this morning. Because he is worthy, he deserves your praise.
thank you, Lord, for what you've done for us, Father. Yes, Jesus. For giving your life for us in Jesus' name.
the song of all the redeemed. Yes, we're free, free forever, amen. When death was arrested and my life Ashes a crown. 
All right, good morning, everybody. We'll get ready for um, tithe and offering. So if you have, have tithe and offering, you can prepare that. Turn me down a little bit. Offering envelopes are in the chair in front of you. Um, if not, wave your hand around where the ushers will help you out. I don't know if I got a little ring or if that's just in my head. Is it good? Little ring? Tom, we got a little ring. Could you go check that out for me? Well, it's good to have you today. They'll, they'll get that ring out of my mic in just a second. So tithe and offering, we appreciate your giving. And as scriptures say, the tithe is holy unto the Lord. And, and uh, uh, we believe um, that God does with our giving far beyond our capabilities. And as we live in stewardship of, of his leading and his wisdom. But uh, as you give... It's just life of faith, steps of faith, in response to the fact that God is our provider. He's always putting provision in front of us. And, and I'm thankful. I'm thankful. My, my wife and I could tell many stories over the years of how God has provided. He made ways where it didn't really seem there was a way. And it's, it's not even in this way of, of, uh, of, of obvious greed. Or I, I heard... I was reading a, a story one time about um, there, there were those that uh, were connected to some other people. These people didn't have and these people had to the point that the stuff that these, this group of people had was in an abundance to waste and, and even food was, was going bad and they were just throwing it away and, and this group could hear this group praying that God would continue to bless them with abundance while never really helping this group out, you know what I'm saying? And the provision of God is never unto greed. It's the provision of this day our daily bread. Then what would the Lord have us do with what he gives? Okay, you can give, you can be a tither and give 10% and still be greedy with the 90%, you know that? It's about your heart. And what do you do with what God has provided for you? That says a lot about your heart. And See, the state of your heart shows up with what you do with your finances. You know that? What you do with your money says a lot about you. Amen? So we, we don't pray and believe the provision of God or that God's our provider in an abundance in a greedy way. But this day our daily bread, then what will God do with what he has provided as he leads us and guides us in life? So as you give today, that's our attitude as a church that we do what God will have us do with what comes into the house. So as you give today, we appreciate your giving. But that life of faith, it's just another way that God is constantly leading us and being who he is. Amen? How many know that God is your provider? Let me see. Okay, good. Uh, where's Nathan at? Is he up here? I'm going to have Nathan go hustle down here. I'm going to have Nathan pray over your tithe and offering. Nathan's a good guy for the most part, I think. Um, no. I know he's a good guy. If, if you pray, Nathan, when Nathan's done, if you have something to give, you can bring it down. Nourish, nourish us as a whole, as a body in God. I just pray that you would use 
use our faithfulness to share your message across the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, thank you, Nathan. We had a little tongues of interpretation during that. That was cool. All right. But anyway, some announcements for you real quick. Um, don't forget... Uh, every Monday from 6 to 7 here, we have church-wide prayer, okay? So if you have questions about that, you can see Samara. Where's Christine at? I saw Christine this morning. Oh, Christ, or you can see Christine, even Justice, wherever Justice is at. So they head up church-wide prayer on Mondays. Uh, as you saw this morning, we're, we're kind of getting into a new schedule of worship for our kids. So for the most part on Sunday mornings, they have worship with Kids Church Wednesday nights. They'll be out with us, except, of course, for those fifth, uh, Sundays when we have one big family Sunday. So you can check your kids in 10 minutes before service. Every service, that's when they'll be prepared for you. Uh, also, every year at Thanksgiving, we receive a special Thanksgiving offering, and that's what these yellow envelopes are. Um, they're, they're designated giving. This is just something, if the Lord puts it on your heart, so last year, our Thanksgiving offering went towards uh, new roofs for the, our renter's roof next door, plus, as you'll get to this pretty soon, a new roof for our building right here. So uh, next, this year's Thanksgiving offering that we take the Sunday before Thanksgiving will go towards shoring up our air conditioning and what we need to uh, get better at with our air for this coming summer. So anyhow, uh, if you're interested in that, there's yellow envelopes back to back table. Again, we received that offering this Sunday uh, before Thanksgiving. And then Thanksgiving week, by the way, uh, we don't have Wednesday service. We do it on Tuesday instead. That way, if you're traveling for Thanksgiving on Wednesday or whatever, prepping for family, that can happen Wednesday. So the week of Thanksgiving or midweek is Tuesday and not Wednesday. And I think that's all I have this morning, other than right after church, we have a water baptism today. So we would love for, uh, as a family of faith, you guys hang out. We'll go right outside and do that. Uh, a young lady uh, recently come to our church, Haley's going to be baptized today. We hope it's not too much like the polar ice challenge this, this afternoon for her. Um, it's, hopefully it's not too bad. But anyways, right after church, as soon as we're done with communion today, we'll head out and, and do that. All right. Well, if you've got your Bible, John chapter 6, and hopefully you have a Bible. If not, they'll put the uh, verses up on the screen for you. John chapter 6, we've been in a series entitled Encounters with Jesus, looking in the Gospels at different times that, that people had an encounter with Jesus that absolutely changed them. Now, now today's encounter wasn't an individual, but rather a group of people, and it's a different kind of, of, of encounter with Jesus. Now, I believe that we can live a life when we encounter Jesus consistently, that we live a life following him, that we've given our life to him. Christianity is not something you say you believe. It, it's beyond that. It's, it's a life that you live. Amen. It is a confession, but a confession that ultimately changes your life. Because Jesus will always meet you right where you are, and that's what these encounters are about. He will always meet you right where you are, but he doesn't leave you there. He takes you on a life where you follow him, and there is a life that happens in you, new life, abundant life, the life of what it means to be free from sin. Remember, you're not just saved uh, uh, or forgiven of sin. You're, you're saved from things, but you're saved to things. And the life that Jesus leads us in, we'll have encounters with him. And a lot of these encounters mark us in a certain way. 
and as a matter of fact, things you probably, if you've been following Jesus for, for a period of time in your life, you probably can look back at your life and know of marked moments where you've encountered him that, that brought change or, or, or brought something to your life that, that you remember. It's, it's sort of this testimony you're constantly building in your life. So if somebody was to ask you, and remember uh, Peter writes in, in one of his letters, he says, always be prepared to share the reason for the hope that you have, right? How many of you have hope in him? Well, what's your reason? Part of your reason will come back to what God has been doing in your life. We will testify to what the scriptures say, but what has God been doing in you? How has your life been marked by him? Remember, it's not just something you believe, but it's a life that you ultimately learn how to live or, or, or changed into living because of him. So when you look back, how has my life been marked by Jesus? So, so as I've said many times, I gave my life to the Lord when I was 17 years old. Just graduated high school. Two weeks out of high school, I was still 17 at the time. Gave my life to Jesus. So that's a long time ago. I could see how my life has been changed and marked by Jesus as I have been following him. I've had encounters with him. But the counters today, it, it sort of went the opposite way. So John chapter 6, this is a very interesting story, but I want to bring some things out of this. John chapter 6 and verse 22. Now, now Jesus had just did this whole deal where he fed the 5,000, this incredible miracle of multiplication of provision and feeding the 5,000. They end up leaving that place and going somewhere else, and this is where sort of the story picks, picks up, John 6, 22. It says, on the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. That's the feeding of 5,000. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. So Jesus did this incredible miracle where he provided for them. The next day they go looking for him, he's gone. So now they're trying to find him again because as we find out, they want some more provision from him. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of loaves. Now, I'm not sure how obvious it was to the 5,000 there that this, this incredible miracle was happening. I'm not sure how obvious it was. But as John has the seven I am statements of Jesus, and one of them is, we'll get into here. He, John also marks through his gospel what he calls signs, signs of the kingdom, that the kingdom has arrived and is inaugurated with Jesus. And these are signs that point to not only what the kingdom is about, but the coming kingdom at his return later. Okay? So the feeding of the 5,000 was a sign of the kingdom, a sign of the provision of the coming kingdom, but they missed it because they were happy to get something to eat. You see that? 
Too often we can get caught up on what Jesus can do for me. What do I get out of this situation? What can I pray for that he gives me? And you miss the bigger sign of the kingdom in him. I believe entirely that Jesus provides for us. I do. But that's not ultimately what it's about. You can get focused on the wrong thing. So do I pray for my, myself, my family, and this church? Do I pray that the Lord gives us this day our daily bread? I do. I pray every day that provision is provided for the house. But I ultimately know that that is not the end game here. The end game is Jesus himself. Isn't that right? So they came after him because, man, this guy gave us everything we, we could have to eat yesterday. Let's go find him again. Now notice how this sort of mirrors one of the temptations of Jesus in the wilderness. Remember, he's in the wilderness, and he's fasting for 40 days. Uh, and, and the enemy comes to him and tempts him. You can turn these stones into bread, you know, and you can have something to eat right now if you want to. And he's getting him to bypass the cross because here, here's, it, 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 we got elections this week, right? Tuesday is election day. I pray you're informed. I pray you vote. Okay? So I'm going to say about that. But what is the one thing that marks every election? People want to know who's going to do the best thing for our economy. Isn't that right? Who's going to do the best for our economy? Because the people that do the best for our economy, chances are those are the people you're going to want to have in office. When you can provide for people, people will follow you. Isn't that right? So they came looking for Jesus so he would give them more to eat. He could have set up a kingdom of people right there, gathered a crowd to follow him. If he just said, if you just stay with me, I'll give you bread every day. I literally can multiply this loaf and this fish to feed all of it. As a matter of fact, I literally can change the stones into bread as I was tempted to do in the wilderness with the devil. But then that misses the point. And Jesus goes on to make the point of what it's about as we keep reading here. Verse 27. It says, do not work for food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life. Which the Son of Man, he's revealing himself to them, that the Son of Man will give to you. For on him the Father has set his seal. And then he said to him, well, what must we do to, to be doing the works of God? So Jesus is saying, do the work that will grant you eternal life. Now, all of us here, we know that you're saved by grace through faith, which is a gift of God, not by works. That way nobody can boast, right? Doesn't Paul write that? So you're not saved by works. You can't work yourself into heaven. You can't do enough good deeds to get yourself into heaven. You are saved by grace. Now there's a life that follows, and we'll talk about that in a minute. So what is Jesus meaning when he's saying, well, there's some works you've got to do. Let's see what he says here. Verse 29. And Jesus answered them, this is the work of God. 
and he boils it down, makes it easy, rubber meets the road right here, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Now, now notice what's happening here. This is the work that gains eternal life. Believe in him. Believe. Have faith. And they turn around and said, okay, show us a sign. Well, what in the world was going on when he fed them before? I mean, they, again, they missed the whole thing. Prove to us who you are. And Jesus is done proving. This is what he says. Let's see. In uh, verse 33. For, for God is he who comes down from heaven and give life to the world. And they said to him, sir, give us this bread always. And here's one of the great I am statements in the gospel of John. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet do not believe. Jesus did the miracle, fed them, 5,000 people. It's an incredible miracle. They come after him because they want more food. And Jesus is saying, okay, we're not, we're not doing this because you're missing the point. Here's the sign. Believe in the Son of Man. Believe in me. Because I, Jesus, am the bread of life. Here's the first thing you need to know today. Jesus is the bread of life. He is our source. In him is eternal life. You can find everything you need in this world. But if Jesus is not your source, you miss it. You can, listen, you can try to have the kingdom without the Savior. You can try to have the kingdom without the king. You can pray, Lord, give me this day my daily bread, but really want nothing to do with him. And you miss the point. You miss the kingdom. You miss what the sign is pointing towards. You want the gift without the gift giver. You want to be satisfied, but not have him. Without Jesus, you don't really have the source of life. And without him, you don't have eternal life. You can have it all, gain the entire world, as Jesus said, and yet lose your soul. Isn't that right? Because Jesus, he's the actual source of life. Again, I, I pray, I do, I pray for provision. I pray, I pray for, for uh, God to, to work things out. I, I'm constantly bringing things in prayer, but ultimately I can chase all that stuff and miss him. I've said this before here. Let me say this again. Uh, this, this is not original to me. I don't remember where I read this, but, but they posed this question and it kind of threw my brain for a couple of days. I kept thinking about this. If you get to the life to come, new heaven, new earth, all things are made new, and everything you thought it would be, that's exactly the way it is, but if Jesus wasn't there, would you miss that he wasn't there because everything you wanted is there? How much is he really 
the source versus the thing that you kind of want to have. He, notice, he fed them loaves and fish. It's mirroring the, in the wilderness the manna and, and the quail. They actually bring that up to him and say, remember our, our forefathers, they got manna in the wilderness. And, and Jesus is saying, yeah, all that's fine and good, but I, me, I am the bread of life, not the provision that God gives you. I am the bread of life, not the loaves and the fish. I am the bread of life, not the manna that was in the wilderness. I and the bread of life. He is our source. So I, I would encourage you today, before we, we keep reading here, I would encourage you today that you sort, of, you sort of declutter your idea of what it means to be a Christian and boil it right down to Jesus. Sometimes you've got to do that. Remind yourself for all the things you're trying to accomplish in life, for all the things that you're chasing, for all the things that, that, that you think life is about, boil it back down to Jesus because without him, none of that stuff matters. It doesn't matter. Because he is the only way. He's the only way to salvation. There's no other way. Amen. Right, let's keep reading. Now, this is, this is where this encounter with Jesus kind of gets hard. And this is really interesting. So, I'm going to read verse 40 for, for a little bit here, and it's kind, it's kind of lengthy. So just, just bear with me as we read this. So John chapter 6 and verse number 40 says this, For this is the will of my Father, this is Jesus still talking, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. There is a coming resurrection. Now watch this. As typically happens. So, so they grumbled against him, or the Jews grumbled about him, because he said, I am the bread that come, came down from heaven. And they said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? Now, in that time, they really struggled with the idea of his divinity. Today, we don't struggle with that. We struggle with the idea of his humanity. It kind of flips a little bit. But they struggle with the fact of what he seems to be claiming about himself. How does, he, how does he now say, I have come down from heaven? And Jesus answered them, do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God, and everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone who has seen the Father except he who is from God, he has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. So he goes on saying these things. And in verse 51, jump there. He says, I am the bread that come down from heaven. And if anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I give for the life of the world is my flesh. And the Jews then disputed among themselves, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, now watch this, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I'll raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. 
And whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he will also live because of me. Now, go down to verse 60. He's saying these things. Really interesting. Verse 16, when many of the disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, in himself, knowing that his disciples were grumbling about this, he said to them, do you take offense to this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life, and the flesh is no help at all. And the words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe, for Jesus knew from the beginning those who were who did not believe and who, who it was who would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come after me unless it's granted him by the Father. Now watch this, verse 66. After this, many of the disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. That's a lot there. But notice, after this teaching, after the things that he said, there were many that said, I don't know about this. This teaching's too hard. I don't understand this. And they turned back, and they literally stopped following Jesus. Now, he's got this whole thing going. He's talking about eating my flesh and drinking my blood. Now, at this point, understand, there's no background of the Last Supper. There's no background of, of the giving of the cup and, and the breaking the bread, symbolic of, of his body crucified on the cross and his blood shed. There's no background of that. Most of them probably didn't hear John's proclamation as recorded in the beginning of the Gospel of John, John the Baptist. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. There's, there's no uh, understanding of, of the fulfillment of Old Testament sacrifice. No background, but Jesus said something that maybe was a little confusing and kind of hard. This encounter with Jesus, instead of it being life-changing, caused many to stop following him. You see that? Now, here's something I want you to know. This is something they'll put up on the screen. When you encounter Jesus, it may challenge you. How will you respond? When you encounter him, it may challenge you. How are you going to respond? Now, I know the Bible says, and Jesus says it's one of the great statements of Jesus, come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest, right? Take your yoke upon me, amen? For, for my burden is easy. Now, notice the words there, easy, and my yoke is light, right? So we live in a backdrop of coming to Jesus and giving our life to him in such a way that he gives us rest, Right? But yet there are still times with that in the background that Jesus will challenge you. And something that he says, or a way that you're called to live, may not actually be all that easy. You know that. When he says things like, hey, if you want to follow me, pick up your cross. As a matter of fact, daily, Actually, deny yourself and come after me. 
Because if you really want to have life, you've got to lose your own life. That may not be easy all the time. When he talks about things like there's a narrow road, look, there's a wide road, and there's a narrow road. The wide road's going to have a lot of people on it living a life away from God, far from God. But the narrow road's the narrow road for a reason. That may not always be easy. When you're convicted about a sin, and we know at conviction, with, with the help of the Holy Spirit, that there's change that needs to come. That may not always be easy. We know the Bible talks about being holy and set apart, pleasing and consecrated unto him in a, in a lost and sinful world. That may not always be easy. When Jesus challenges you, you have an encounter with him and he challenges you, how do you respond? There are those that walk entirely away from a life of following Jesus when they get challenged because they're like, well, I thought this was easy. I thought this was just about you giving me what I want. I, I thought, you know, the Bible says, ask will be given unto you. I'm, I'm doing the Bible. Give, give me my bread. And he says, okay, pause for a second. But here's a challenge. How do you respond? There are times when he asks something of you. There are times when he may take something from you. There are times when the teaching of the scriptures, you may not understand it entirely, but it's there. There are those that walk away from him entirely in their faith, and there are those that in those specific things walk away from him. Those specific things don't, um, uh, in your life, cause you to respond in a way of, of submission and obedience. When you're challenged by Jesus in an encounter with him, how do you respond? Because here's what I know, and this is what you need to understand. Every time you are challenged by Jesus, no matter what it is, no matter how it happens, every time you're challenged, he's trying to take you further into new and abundant life. You know that. It's never not for a reason of the abundance of life. It's never not for the reason of, of living free from sin. It's never ultimately not to the benefit of your inward being. You know that. Let me tell you something. The benefits of what happens in here is far greater than the benefits of anything you can gain out here. You know that. So when you're challenged by Jesus, even if you think it's hard, even if it's beyond your comprehension at the moment, don't back away from the challenge, but grab that cross and keep going. Don't cause it to turn you away from him. We can encounter Jesus in a way where we are challenged in such a way that ultimately what it means is that I have to lean further.
further into him. You know that? Because whenever Jesus challenges you, he just didn't leave you to yourself. Those people that turned away and stopped following him, if they would have stayed with him, the words that he just said that they didn't understand, eventually at some point they would have came to understanding what he was talking about. They jumped off too quick. Lean further into him. Let him empower you. The activity of the Holy Spirit, be empowered. Live in a way that you're living a life where the wisdom of God can continue to grow in you till you come to certain understandings about things that maybe you didn't understand before. But when you encounter him and you're challenged by him, don't turn away from him. Because ultimately, it is for the benefit of the abundance of new creation in you. Amen. See, at the, at the, at the end of this story, we won't get back into it, but at the end of the story, his disciples uh, were talking with Jesus. He's, he's just like, okay, what about you guys? And they said, well, where else would we would go? Well, you don't know where to go. Where else would we go? And they had it right. Because even though they may not have understood, they understood there's no other way of the abundance than true life. So I'm just going to stick with you and see this through. Because what will happen is he will see you through. If you stay and you press in. The times that I've been challenged in my life about Jesus turn into some of the best encounters I've ever had with him. You know that? The encounters that ultimately change you to a new place of freedom and understanding. Those are the best kind. Whenever I've been ever challenged because of sin, I've been, I've been convicted. Freedom from that sin is much, 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 much better than staying in it, even though I was challenged by it. Isn't that right? Those kind of challenges grab hold of him. He will see you through. Amen? Because ultimately, there's no other place to go for abundant life. No other place. So Jesus said, if you eat my flesh and you drink of my blood. It's the work of the cross. So we're, we're going to close out today if the ushers will come down. We're going to partake of communion. So ushers, you guys can come and, and set that up. We've got some of these gentlemen to help us out, some ladies in the house. But this is what Jesus is talking about. That we partake in our understanding of what a broken body and, and shed blood means for us. The body of Christ on the cross. Substitutionary atonement. Philippians chapter 2 says that he became obedient even to death on a cross. This is the flesh of Jesus. Symbolically on this table. That he said, do this, partake of this in remembrance of me. 
symbolic of the blood of Jesus. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks of my blood. That this blood has come, was shed for the forgiveness of my sins. No more sacrifice needed. That the blood of Jesus covers it all. There, there is nothing of my life that in surrender to him that his blood did not cover. Amen. So if, if you, you don't have to, but if you'd like to and want to partake of communion with us today, if you come out to the center aisle and grab it and kind of filter around the side, we'll partake together in just a moment. You know, for some, this teaching is too hard. You know that? For some, when, when, when they're told that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, they don't accept that. This teaching is too hard. For some, when, when they're told that the only way of salvation is through Jesus, that teaching is too hard. They reject that. For some, the way that God saves the world is through the Son of God dying on the cross. That teaching is too hard for some. For, for some, then, then this, as it goes, the resurrection of Jesus, new life, new creation on, on the earth at the moment, right then. The idea of somebody being resurrected from the dead, that, that teaching is too hard. They reject it. But for those who believe what this represents is the power of our salvation. And in it we stand firm. I may not understand everything about it. 
I may not, I may not live in a way that's completely perfect. But what I do know is that Jesus is my Savior, and He's my Savior because He died on the cross and He rose from the dead. I believe that. And I've given my life to it. I believe I'm saved. I believe I'm being saved. I'm working this out. I'm going to be saved because he's coming again. For Christ, he died. Christ is risen. Christ is coming again. He believes. So as we partake today, I would ask you to examine yourself and put yourself before him. And what we say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of, of my sins. Lord, Lord, I, I give myself to you today to follow you. I recommit. Whatever you need to do, take a moment. Then after that, we'll, we'll partake together. But I want to allow you the opportunity as we saw in the scripture, so many turned and followed him that we commit today to follow him. Somebody turned away from him and didn't follow him, but we commit to follow him. Amen? Where, where else would we go? Who else would we turn to? Who else can save us? Lord, we thank you for your body. Lord, you, you were beaten, you were, you were flogged with, with whips, crown of thorns put on your head, crucified on a cross, the brutality of Roman crucifixion, the humiliation, the degrading of who you were, the breaking down of your body to the point that the Son of God, God on this earth, died. But you did it willingly, you did it purposefully. To pay the wage of sin, which is death, we thank you for that. So Lord, we partake of this bread together this morning in remembrance of your crucified body on that cross. Let's partake together. With your crucifixion was the shedding of your blood. As Hebrews said, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. That blood that was shed is more than enough to take away the sins of this world to take care of every sin of every human being that calls on your name, the past, the present, and the future. We thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you, Lord, for what you have done for each one of us. We partake of this cup in remembrance of the shedding of your blood partake together.
just for a moment, just thank him for what he's done for you. Thank him for his grace and his mercy, for his patience. Thank you for his continual guidance and leading of your life. Thank him for simply who he is for you because he is the bread of life. Just thank him. We praise you today. We worship you. We praise you today. We worship you. We'll close before we head out for baptism. We'll sing this. Just do this song one time for this song called Jesus is All. Let's just worship just for a moment before we head outside. A shining light, an open door, healing touch. Jesus is all. Freedom's call, hope restored, new life given. Jesus is all. Call on him and he'll respond. He's here now. Jesus is all. Savior, Redeemer, Lord and King. Redeemer, Lord and King. Thank you today for being in your house to be in worship together. I pray blessings on each one here today. I pray, Lord, that you are more real to them than ever before. Lord, that we grab onto you. You're our source. Lord, be everything that you are to us. We trust in you. Our hope is in you. Our hope not in certain outcomes of this world, but our hope is in you. Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, I tell you what, five minutes we'll head out and do this baptism. But love on somebody as you go today, Wednesday night. We'll be back again next Sunday morning, obviously. Bring somebody out, but thanks for coming today. Be blessed as you go today.